Do you hate your job? Of course you do. So do Liz and Noah. Now it's time to join their conversation so you can figure out how to quit your soul-crushing job. When Can I Quit My Job? Episode 8. Hello and welcome to another episode of When Can I Quit My Job? Hi, everybody. (laughs) So today we are... Do you know what we're talking about? We are talking about money. Talking about money. Our money. Our money, yes. And I had, I have a little, actually, a little diatribe I want to do at the very beginning. And it's about talking about money. And we've, so we have talked about money for a while. And we've also talked about talking about money. And what I mean by that is about how it's faux pas to talk to people about money. You mean our personal finances? Correct. Okay. And sometimes money in general. I think not everybody's comfortable talking about money or they think being rich is bad or just aren't comfortable talking about money in general, even if it's not specific. Yeah, Yeah. I would agree with that. So I was thinking today about that, about the faux pas about talking about money. And so I, I thought of an analogy and you'll have to let me know if you think it's appropriate, but okay. I thought about farmers and people who grow food and I was thinking like if farmers didn't pass down their knowledge or share with one another kind of best practices or with anybody for growing food like for instance there's a farmer's almanac that has like all the best practices the predictions for the upcoming year as far as weather and how and when to plant things and the first frost and everything like that and it's kind of like a community I mean is that I don't have first-hand knowledge really with farmers but does that sound accurate I guess I think I know what you're getting at so maybe you should come to more of the point because I don't actually know if that's true Okay. Okay. (laughs) uh, I mean the gist of it that I'm getting is that it seems like they're not stingy with information and thereby can keep growing crops and other farmers grow crops and their families grow crops kind of I'm getting at that it's not faux pas for two farmers to talk to each other about how best to grow their crops. And through that sort of interaction, each farmer is probably better off through the process and society as a whole becomes better off through that. So, and same with, you know, you could think of people who aren't even farmers who have, or gardeners and grow their own vegetables. And, you know, you could go to your neighbor and that has a tomato garden and talk about how they're growing uh, their tomatoes and the best way to do it. And so... Maybe- okay... So maybe this isn't as good of an analogy as it was in my head uh, when I was thinking about it. But so it seems that it's it's a mutually beneficial exchange of information. And it's passed down from parents to children and things like that. And I was thinking today about like my dad's finances. And I have, I couldn't tell you how much, he's retired now. I couldn't tell you how much he would have ever made in a single year for his salary. I couldn't tell you anywhere close to a ballpark of his net worth. I couldn't tell you his until maybe about a year ago I asked him if he had a pension or a 401k and I don't remember I think he has both but like you didn't know his savings plans like retirement yeah we plans. never discussed strategies we never discussed how to manage money other than like he told me not to borrow money sometimes like once in a while like mostly when I was a kid when I would borrow money from 
like my brother's my allowance like I'd borrow five dollars before I had it or something and he indicated that might be a bad move but so I didn't get any financial strategies passed down to me I don't think I, and you certainly don't learn any of that stuff in school and I think so not even just specific finances but I mean how many conversations can you remember having with our good friends about like strategies for what to do with money oh gosh um not many like and probably too because how you were indicating that it can be uncomfortable I can say until recently it was uncomfortable for me so I'm certainly not going to be bringing that up with my friends right so yeah I mean do you feel weird right now recording this episode a little, mostly because I don't really know all that you're planning to share, but I'm I'm more open to it now than I ever have been. But yeah, it's just not something that's talked about a lot. Like, I, really, I agree with that, that how it can be kind of faux pas. But then what I'm also hearing is that you could miss out on potential knowledge from other people or within sure. families if you don't have those conversations. Sure, yeah, I also thought of, an ana- uh, it's not an analogy, maybe it is an analogy, that Elena Cardona always uses, that she used last time when we were at 10X, about the Clydesdales, how one Clydesdale can carry 12,000 pounds, but two Clydesdales can carry 36,000 pounds, which, you know, obviously two is stronger than, two together is stronger than uh, two individuals, and it also made me tie it back to like a hive mind kind of thing, like a mastermind. Um, two two people putting their heads together is can create more ideas than two individuals. And so creating a culture of people talking about strategies for investing in money, like since that doesn't exist, at least in my world, I think it does exist maybe in wealthier circles. I think which is part of the reason wealthier people are wealthier. But that's something hmm. we miss out on because we don't brainstorm ideas of how to create money and keep money and grow money and make money work for us. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, after just thinking right now a little bit, I think the only person, if we're allowed to name drop, um, well, (laughs) thank you. The only friend that I can think of who's straight up asked about savings um, is our good friend Orion. I think not maybe not too long after we met, I think he asked us if we do 401k or oh, okay. that. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Like, yeah, because I ended up having a conversation with him about IBC that night. Yeah. Infinite so ba- Infinite banking concept. Yeah, and I actually remember thinking how fun that was to talk about and that he he just kind of asked like, yeah, like, it was sort of casual, but like, you yeah. know, are you guys into that? Like kind of overall, what's your planning? Right. But that might yeah. be the only conversation I remember having with yeah. friends. I've had I've had real brief conversations with um, Dave and Terry uh, that I've mentioned earlier in this show. But basically, like, we don't have 401ks yet. Both of them kind of said this to me um, within the last few years. Like, I'm looking at setting up a, a 401k or an IRA basically kind of thing, especially both of them transitioning out of a, a normal day-to-day paycheck. Um, but that was about as far as it went. I've discussed the infinite banking concept with each of them and with varying levels of responses to that. But And you've maybe talked about it with your brothers a little bit. I have. But that's been you initiating, I think. Right. And 
I feel like Orion was the first one to kind of bring up the topic. Yeah. Just kind of openly. And it's, yeah, it just, I think, created a, hopefully, a beneficial conversation about yeah, just general so. savings plans what and retirement. <laughs> For varying reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Anyway, that's a maybe a long side yeah, tangent, yeah. but. And maybe my analogy fell apart a little bit there, but I just think, you know, if we had a community of Start people, over. Start the whole episode oh, over. Yes. Let's. Oh, I was just going to start the analogy. Imagine a farmer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but so I do want to mention a resource that we use, we both use, both have on our phone. It's uh, an application called Mint. It's um, like the leaf, and it's through a company called Intuit, um, I-N-T-U-I-T. You can go to intuit.com and sign up for Mint. And it's basically like a singular hub for almost all of your financial resources, so like all of your bank accounts, you know, checking savings, whatever, your 401ks, your student loans, anything like that, any assets, any liabilities, any accounts you use, all in one place. And we have pretty much, I mean, I've looked at it at least weekly for, I don't know, five years maybe or something like that. Yeah, um, we've been using it for a while. This is not a sponsored No, it's not. Uh, thing or I anything. I don't have any sponsors. Although yet. I think, yeah, except for ourselves and our, our, go to our Patreon page. Yeah, but we've just really used Mint, like yeah. research different, um, I don't know what you would, kind of a, an app, just a financial. Financial hub kind yeah. of thing. And just started using it and liked it. Yep. And so. Yeah, it's been the most user friendly. And it's free. Yes. The Wealth Without Wall Street actually has their own version of it. There's, um, there's one called Better, that's funny, it's called Betterment. But it's actually one word. It's M-E-N-T. But it's kind of funny. Bit, mint and betterment. But betterment is actually for cash flow. It's more focused toward ingoing and outgoing than it is like any accumulation or anything like that. And then there's a handful of other apps that do the exact same thing. It's just mint is the one we've been using for a long time. Do you know if mint can be used by people who don't have smartphones? Yeah. Just you can, online. online. You can use it online. Okay. Yep. And that's at intuit.com. So that is going to make this episode easy because we are actually going to go over our where we are financially, our how much we bring home. I'm going to discuss most of our accounts mainly so you can get an idea of what we're doing with our money and maybe spark an interest in another type of strategy or something, but also to show you that you know we don't have a treasure trove of a lot of money that is the reason we're trying to quit our jobs. We're trying to quit our jobs because we want to quit our jobs and we're doing it with whatever we have, which is part of what I want to impart on anybody listening is that you don't have to wait until you have X amount of dollars to start. We just took whatever we had and we started because it's more important to start than to wait because if you wait for that perfect moment, it'll never come. There's always a reason not to do something. So just to, to kind of shed some light, well, so I told you what I make which is just under $46,000 right now per year, uh, which my take home looks like about uh, $1,250 every other week or something like that. Liz, well, you just started getting your checks. Do you wanna share? Sure, well, I guess I don't know how much I make per year, but We well, you know what your weekly check yeah, is. Yeah, so every week about hourly. $410. Yeah, that's about right. So, and that's and that's what we're using 
to fund our business mm -hmm. uh, besides our initial savings, which, as I mentioned before, was about uh, $16,000 that we had to use. We mm -hmm. didn't actually have it to use because it was in 401ks and IRAs, so we had to take it out and pay a penalty on every penny that we earned, which was probably, I don't know if we made any money. I think we might have lost money when we had that in there, which not a surprise, which means we might not have had to pay a penalty. I don't know. But so we took all that money and we used it to invest in something we have control over, unlike mutual funds and 401ks and IRAs and things like that, which we have no control over. It just kind of rides the wave of the economy. So that was our initial funding for our business. So what? Well, you Did know, you want to talk about the house at all? How well, we were able to inject a little bit extra capital yeah, with that? Yeah, that did help. That helps. That was like and, the second wave of a little bit of, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we sold our, we, we bought our house and we had it for about five years. And because of the bubble in the real estate market, things inflating, it went well above what I thought it was probably actually worth. And plus, we had listened to a podcast by... I had listened to a podcast by Grant Cardone talking about not necessarily being tied down to like a geographic location and how you shouldn't really own a home until you're at a certain place financially because homes are actually a liability and not an asset. But that's something you can get into in a totally different episode. You're right. I was just trying to point out for transparency's sake that yeah. we used what we made on the sell sale of our house. That's true. Yeah, so the, the difference between when we bought our home and sold our home in five years was about $22,000, which we, which was, yeah, good for... For this, new businesses. and Well, for Northeast business Indiana. Owners. For, nor, for Northeast Indiana, that's good. Because, I mean, houses here aren't worth what they are in other regions of the country. So we did, and most of that actually is one investment strategy. So we don't have available to us as many investment strategies because we're not what's called an accredited investor, which basically means we're not millionaires or we don't make um, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And the investments that are open to people who are unaccredited is a lot narrower than is open to, which seems silly to me. Well, you know, the people who have the best opportunities to earn money are the people who have money but you know that's another story too but so we actually took most a good deal of that i think we used one to start our second policy and then we used the leftovers to invest in one of them was in a real estate investment trust which is basically almost like crowdfunding for buying real estate so it's like you'll have a group a team of real estate investors who will buy it could be anything from a dollar general to an apartment building uh, to grocery store or whatever and they have a group of assets and when you invest in a real estate investment trust you choose a specific type of asset and I'm not describing this well so I did try again <laughs> I, I went through fundrise.com which is one example of a real estate investment trust an REIT or a REIT and they had three asset classes to choose from. One is based on growth and appreciation, and it shows on there to have the greatest appreciation over time. There's like a mix, a middle mix, I don't even remember what is in there, but then and then the last one is called cash flowing. So it, it gives off the most monthly now, but is projected to have the least amount of appreciation in the future. And that's actually the one I chose because I'm a cash flow investor 
And to me, the putting your money into projected appreciation is more equivalent to gambling. You're, you're counting on future appreciation based on pr- past appreciation, but you can never time that. You never know when it's going to come or go. And real estate that cash flows and has a good rate of return year over year doesn't matter how much it's worth as an asset by itself because the cash flow is the reason you invest in it. So we took a portion of our money. So we took $6,000 and put it in there. And that was just over a year ago. Yeah, just over a year ago or almost a year. Yeah, well, was it after we moved here to our apartment or were we living in the house? Well, we had the money from the house. So it was probably almost a year. So and that so that for example, like I said, that's fundrise and that has earned a little over four hundred dollars off of six thousand. It's it shows like a seven point seven percent return, which is okay. It's a lot more in the bank. <laughs> of course it has the risk of going down and it's intended to be a long term investment. Hey everyone, we've got to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsors. Hey all you quitheads. Does this sound like you? I sure fucking love that Liz and Noah and their amazing free podcast, When Can I Quit My Job? But I have a big problem. At the end of every month, it seems like I have an extra five, ten, or even $25 left over and I fucking hate it! Hi, I'm Jane everybody. Like most people, I have access to the internets. And like most people, sometimes I buy shit on the Amazons. And like anyone in their right mind, I fucking love the When Can I Quit My Job podcast. If this sounds like you, I have terrific news. Tell Tell me me more! Hey everyone, if you want to support our show, the easiest way is to go to whencanIquitMyJobShow.com to the supporting listeners area. So there's a couple different ways uh, to support us there. Patreon's the easiest. Um, We'd also love if you like, subscribed, rated, reviewed, all that good stuff to our show on iTunes. That's pretty much it. Now, back to the show. Fucking love it! Another one that we invested our money in was, it's called Prosper, and that's peer-to-peer lending. And the way that works is you go onto their website and I should have mentioned a fundrise. I think it's a minimum of $500 to invest Mm. and prosper is a minimum of, I believe $50. And what you do is you can search through different loan opportunities. It's basically people who either couldn't get a loan from a bank or didn't want a loan from a bank for whatever reason. And you can pull up an account. You, it will say something like home improvement. Uh, it will have the amount of the loan, let's say $25,000, and the terms of the loan, which would be either three or five years. And then you click on that, and you get a profile of the person, which gives their credit score. It gives how many delinquencies they've had in the last seven years. It gives their debt-to-credit ratio. It gives their, their income and how long they've had their current job. That's a decent amount of information. That's a lot of information, and, yeah. And that's not even all of it. And you're confident that it's accurate, that somehow it's vetted? Yeah, I haven't had issues. So we've, I started that, I started that before we had our money from our house. I was doing like $50 a month for maybe a year or a year and a half before that happened, um, just to kind of grow our cash flow a little bit. And to experiment without much risk. Right, exactly, yeah. To build trust yeah. in the site. Yeah, low before. low entry, mm-hmm. 50 
is less than $500, so. Sure, you're right. Yeah, and I think, so at this point, I think, I, so they're called notes, which means it's basically a contract that that person's paying back every month. And, like, I won't have, obviously, a full $25,000 note in my name. It'll be split up between 50, 100, or 1,000, whatever people. And um, So you can decide to lend mm-hmm. a portion. Correct, yeah. There's nobody going on to ask for a commercial loan for $50. But yes, you can invest only $50. So, and right now on there, my, well, we have, I'd say, if I had to guess, probably 70 notes or something like that on there. Wow. Yeah, and of those, right now we have two delinquent. One is between 30 and 60 days, and one is between 90 and 120 days, which is an acceptable rate. That's actually a really good rate of non-delinquents. And right now that's, cash flowing for us i think like 90 dollars in just interest payments and then the principal payments is like 120 some dollars or something like that so that that alone right now is giving us 200 dollars of cash flow which i just reinvested right now but per what per year per month sorry per month yeah so like 200 dollars a month that's coming off of that that right now i'm just reinvesting but if something were to happen for whatever reason we got desperate for money that's 200 bucks a month that we have. That seems pretty good. Yeah, not bad. And and then, yeah, so we had that built up and then I put, that's the same size as our Fundrise account basically. Right now it's at 62 something and it's earning almost double the rate of return as the Fundrise. So you started small with the like $50 here and there, but then did you also dump in a larger amount yeah. when... I put five thousand dollars in there. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I did six in Fundrise and five in there because there's already maybe close to a thousand dollars in there or something like that. Um, because we had come like once or twice, I put like five hundred dollars in there on top of the fifty dollars a month I was doing. And my goal for that was always to put fifty dollars a month in there until our rate, our return was fifty dollars, and then I would just at that point just perpetuate it by itself, and I wouldn't have to pay into it anymore. So that's those are our other investments that we're doing besides our land investing because we have limited options really and I don't want I don't want to spend the time and energy to learn enough to do other types of investing right now that's I'm reserving that time and that energy for our business these are kind of dumbed down I don't have to think about it they're kind of my best option but I have access to them if I want like they're they're fairly liquid you mean yes yeah so the fundrise it says you shouldn't invest unless you plan to leave your money there at least five years, but you can always break that if you want. We do actually have one other very small real estate investment trust called Rich Uncles, and that's like six or $700. So yeah, real estate investment trust, peer-to-peer lending, those are two ways I found easy to do online that you don't have to put a whole lot of thought into. You can kinda, you don't, you don't have to be a genius or a, a master in the field to invest in it. And it doesn't take a lot of your brain power. Yeah, but it still is a little bit more niche than just doing, like you're saying, like an IRA, mutual fund, 401k. Yeah. Well, yeah, and those go up and down every month. These go up unless the company crashes or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the peer-to-peer lending, you know, the same. Everybody's not going to stop paying their notes all at once, you know, whereas... The economy takes a downturn, of course, more of them will stop paying it. But I'm not going to lose 50% of my value 
of the money I have in there overnight or in two months. And then, so for our other, these are kind of our assets we're discussing. I have an, a sub, I have a civilian, a thrift savings plan, which is basically kind of like an IRA or 401k for a government position. And I basically, I stopped paying into that maybe six months ago, maybe even closer to a year ago. We'll say yeah. eight months. We'll split the difference. Okay. And basically, I just thought even I was only, I was paying what they would match and it was probably, I don't know, 100, 150 bucks a month or something and they would match it. And so you're automatically doubling your money there. And that's how much I don't believe in the stock market, if that tells you anything that I thought, well, first off, our investments in land, if we do it right, should yield us that return anyway. But yeah, I just didn't believe in it. So I stopped paying into it. The government still pays like a tiny amount. I think they pay like 0.5% of my salary or something into it. And that right now, not that it's really pertinent, but it's got like a little over $14,000 in it. And as soon as I quit my job with the government, I'm probably taking that out and putting it somewhere else. Um, so what you're looking at is that about what would come up? Like, let's say you quit on Monday. Uh-huh. Aside from, I don't know, any like fees or whatever, mm -hmm. are you fully vested or that kind of a thing like because sometimes you have to uh, worry about that and with government jobs or or do you have I to worry so. about that at all with this thrift savings plan like does half of it drop once you're unemployed or not mm. unemployed but you know once you quit yeah i don't think so i think like I think most I'd get of that. it i think i get that minus fees okay and maybe taxes yeah that's what i mean like aside from those yeah. things that you get for closing out those no, type I don't think of accounts take their money back but i could be wrong I don't pay any attention to it because it's just, it is what it is. It's kind of extra. Yeah. It's good extra. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that's no, I mean, that's a good it's deal of money for us. nothing to sneeze at. You're right. And then our other two assets are our whole life insurance plans. One of which, so the one that we started more recently, but has a higher rate that we're basically building the, the cash value quicker in, uh, has just over $11,000 in it right now available to us, which basically will be most likely for our business, unless our business pulls in enough cash to be self-sustaining sooner than we think. And then the other one, actually, it, it only shows it has a little bit of money, but I actually just transferred. I took out money to pay for our cruise that we're taking to Alaska in July, and I didn't realize I was going to have to wait so long before we paid it, so it's just sitting there not doing anything for us. I decided to put the Alaska cruise portion of what I took out back. So that'll be about $5,000 after that goes back in there, which means we have about $16,000 that we can use for our business or other investments, or if we need a car and things like that. And then we actually still have an outstanding about $3,500 loan. That is basically our, that was my buffer for Liz transitioning into our new job. Mm-hmm. And then I do want to talk about, so we have student loans. Right now we've got three left, one for about 6000 one for a little over 4000 and one for 1000 We paid off three and actually probably four of them, I think. And Yay! Woo! But we were for a while aggressively paying those off. That was our strategy. We were paying an, extra, an additional $700 a month to get rid of those as fast as possible. And we were spreading it evenly across all of our loans regardless of interest rate. And the first thing I did was adjust that. And then I 
I found the highest interest rate loans and I was like, we're going to put them all towards the highest interest rate, even though that's not what Dave Ramsey says. <laughs> Dave Ramsey is wrong. But um, Uh-oh. sorry that I've heard it from multiple people that I trust in, in finance and economy. but Or at da- least it's not the right option for us. Dave Ramsey is way better than no strategy at all. I will say that. But yeah, so we were kind of, it was like, I felt like a hybrid thing because part of what I think he advocates, which Elimination of debt. Yes. Yeah. So we were trying to just pay it down as fast as we could, which for us, it made the most sense to attack the loan that had the highest interest rate. Right. Yeah. So over the long, so it's his strategy. I won't get into it too much, but it's more of like a psychological thing, like eliminating an entire loan. So going after your smallest loan first. But for me, I didn't need that. <laughs> like, I'm motivated by the numbers because I, I like math and numbers and stuff. So I'd rather do what's more effective in the long term for our financial bottom line, which is to pay the highest loans off or highest interest loans off first. And so that's what we were doing. And then. Do you know that for sure? I mean, have you like listened to the Dave Ramsey thing? Book? Yeah. I've listened. The circles of people I listen to have dedicated multiple entire episodes to why his strategy is wrong okay but i just didn't want anything to be taken out of context because i don't know details about it anyway not that that's super important but so yeah we were playing down the loans yeah and we we killed a lot of our loans so what i just uh, and it did feel good psychologically it it felt great it did yeah so we've got just over eleven thousand dollars we had about fifty thousand dollars so if that tells you anything we're just out of school for well, how, when did you graduate? 12, 2012? 2012, yeah. And, and that I was combined. We both had yeah. roughly 25000 each. Close to that, yeah. I mean, give or take. Yeah. Which um, still isn't actually too bad. Like, no. Not, not that that matters, but I remember even with that amount, it did weigh on us. And especially knowing what I knew about money back then, mm-hmm. which was not a lot, but it felt yeah. like, oh, I need to pay this down pay it down pay it down yeah so that was well how many years ago then were you saying when we were on that track five years ago yeah that was kind of our mindset that was it until maybe three years ago or four years ago i think is maybe when we switched doing that when i realized that if i have an interest with six and a half percent in or if i have a loan with six and a half percent interest i can pay that loan off and that money is basically earning me, if I pay extra towards it, if I pay a hundred extra dollars, that hundred extra dollars is more or less earning me six and a half percent interest. So if I can find an investment that earns me seven and a half percent interest, it's much smarter to do that because, it, I mean, it should be obvious, seven and a half is higher than six and a half. So anytime you can invest in an investment Oh, by the way, I'm not a financial advisor, and this you should not take any of this as advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is just my thought. This is just my thought process. So, anytime you can take money that would be going to a, a loan at X percent, and you could put into investment at X plus one or X plus two or X plus three percent, then it is always wiser to put it in that investment. I don't know. Do you have a thought on that? No, I'm just laughing because I feel like you are giving advice. 
So it's just funny. I'm giving to, a perspective. Yeah. I'm not telling you to do anything with your money. Yeah. I'm telling you but why we saying, did it with ours. But you're saying you should do this and you should do that. I'm pretty sure. So I mean it's the general just, you. I don't mean you the listener. Well, you could see how one, that's one should. <laughs> one should. Well, you could see how that could be confusing yeah. to the listeners. Well, that's why I have to put a disclaimer in there because I don't want them to sue me for my fourteen thousand dollar <laughs> thrift savings plan. Okay. But <laughs> so yeah, I guess on these types of episodes, I should put that disclaimer in there. But so we have these loans. We did kill a lot of them, which is great. But we're not putting any. We put them down to the minimum and we have one loan that we're never gonna i'm never gonna put any extra towards because it's a 1.5 percent loan so i mean we'll keep that one 20 years i don't care it's like a 50 dollars payment or something and the money we could be putting towards that we can put investments that could grow right so the extra rather than putting extra towards the student loans like you're saying we're allocating that extra money Mm -hmm. towards things that we think are going to make more money Correct, exactly. We're still paying our minimum payments and all of oh, that yeah, good yeah. stuff. Don't stop paying your loans. That's just some perspective. Yeah, yeah. And also- Not so, some advice. Y- right. As a finan- <laughs> as not a financial right, right. advisor. No. These are just things I say to myself in my own head. Um, <laughs> and then, so we do have credit cards also, but the way we use those, we basically use those for the rewards points, which we get more or less 2% cash back on everything through our Capital One Venture card, which we use for travel and things like that. So we put as much, anything we can put, groceries, bills, gas, anything we can put on there, we do. And then we pay it off entirely every month. We've never had to pay interest on there. I don't plan on ever paying interest on there. It's just a way for us to earn 2% cash back that we can use for vacations and fun stuff. Yeah, no, I love that card. I, it's weird to say that, I guess, but no, we, well, you did a bunch of research and like card comparisons. So right. we actually selected the type of credit card uh, very intentionally so that if like if we're going to have a credit card, also make it work for us. So we get free flights mm-hmm. yeah, we've pretty probably regularly. Gotten, probably gotten five or six free plane tickets out of it in the three or four years we've had it. Yeah. So also not sponsored. We're right. not we're not yeah, getting paid no. to say this. Nope. Maybe someday we will. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, is that all the line items? Pretty much. And it's two. So we have the Capital One Venture for personal and the Spark for our business. Yeah. So it's not all the line items. I'm thinking about doing a future episode on what's called Profit First, which is a great book. I recommend it. It's it's really only for business owners, so I might just do a shorter, like, 10 or 15-minute episode for it, and you don't have to listen to it if you're not a um, business owner. But it's just... I thought you were going to say you don't have to listen to Liz, because oh, no. <laughs> I probably won't be on that short episode. Because you don't know anything about it. You know right. a little bit about it. Yeah, I know a little bit about it. but It's more or less, in a nutshell, it's just a way to allocate your income for business, but it's good. So we have one... We have five accounts. We have five checking and savings accounts. It would be more if it were up to me. But anyway. So is there anything else you want to talk about? Money? Um, let's see. Well, so in summation, mm-hmm. is the point of all this just to be kind of like I mentioned, transparent and... Yeah. Um, it's 
Go on. Okay. It's yes. It's so you know that we're not rich, and it's to maybe spark an idea or two about what you could be doing with your money that maybe you're not doing, or a, perhaps a different perspective on things like 401ks and other investment opportunities and paying off debt that you might not have heard because it's not necessarily popular in the mainstream way of thoughts. Yeah, it's just hard. We went over a lot of information. We did. So from... Info dump. Yeah, this was a total info dump episode, I feel like, from attacking student loans, which could almost be its own episode. True. And then the different investment strategies that you quickly went over. Right. So... Did I fail? What? Was this poorly thought out? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it's just a lot of information, Um, but... It does give a little bit better picture, I guess, okay. of kind of what our finances look like, which, yeah. yeah, I mean, if nothing else, if a few of our listeners are like, hey, I make that much or we have that much in savings or their student loans are same as ours. Like if there's yeah. something relatable, I think that's kind of our goal for the podcast too. Right. It's just like, hopefully people who are listening might be in the same boat or similar or yeah yeah just find something to connect with that then they Strikes can go yeah and and maybe they try something else or or just learn something new so they can act on our inspiration not our advice exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah okay. so i mean even though maybe big info dump don't worry about if you didn't understand everything or catch everything. I don't think that was the point really no. of this episode is if yeah. there was a tiny kernel of something that resonated with you. Sparked an idea. Yeah. Or yeah, that you're you can see yourself in, then maybe you can take inspiration from that and yeah. see if the you, end result, which will be well, especially Noah quitting his job. Heck yeah. Oh, I haven't announced I came up with a date. Well, maybe you should put them on the hook. Don't oh. tell yet. Oh, yeah. Well, they already don't trust me because last time I left them on a hook, I lied and told them we were going to do a, an episode about something we didn't. Well, I don't know. That's on you. <laughs> I think you should yeah. wait. I think you should wait. Okay. I'll wait. I have a projected date to quit my job. So, yeah. All right. Thanks. Goodbye. See you next time. That's the show for today. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to find us on whencanIquitmyjobshow.com and support us there, as well as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and also in iTunes.